Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. When I wanted to start a podcast, I had no clue what I was doing. And I made so many mistakes along the way that I just wish I knew about earlier. I wish someone told me these things earlier. And so what I've done is I have prepared a completely free resource for everybody. It's called Podcast University. It solves for all of the unknown variables when it comes to starting your show or even taking your show to the next level. I talk about in a very, very concise manner. It's very quick to read what microphones to use, what headphones to use, what software you should use to record your remote interviews, and the microphones that you should use to record in-person interviews as well what software you should use to edit your show, what branding assets you need to take advantage of, where to host your podcast, like how do you get it on Apple and Spotify and everywhere else. I've got it all there for you on Podcast University. Again, completely free, and you can go to jordanparis.com slash P-U to get your show off the ground, take it to the next level, avoid all of the stress of figuring it out on your own. Podcasting has absolutely changed my life, and I know it will do the same for you. Now, one last thing before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world. Every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. Tom Kugler is a full-time vlogger, but it wasn't always this way. After graduating college and doing 20 job interviews, he got sick of trying to convince corporate America he was worth anything, so he started freelancing. Nine months after he started freelancing, he began contributing to big sites like the Huffington Post and made enough money to go on a five-month solo road trip across America. He visited 24 new states, lived in San Fran for two months, and then came back home and started blogging about the lessons he learned. A year later, he had 10,000 followers on Medium, started selling his online courses, and said goodbye to freelancing entirely. A year after that, a video he made for Facebook went viral and received 3 million views in two weeks. He's made seven videos now with over 1 million views 
And Tom now lives in the Philippines, mostly making vlogs, selling his courses, writing on Medium, and helping others achieve social media success and find their story. And he's a digital nomad, digital nomad of sorts. You're not in the Philippines right now. Where are you, Tom? I'm in Bali. Yeah, man. Um, so I went from Philippines to, I think it was Singapore and then Thailand for like three weeks. Chiang Mai, actually. I'm hitting all the big digital nomad spots. And then I went to Bali and I've been here for two weeks. I will be here for another two weeks and then it's back to Manila. And then I'll be there for four days and then I'll go to America. <laughs> I'm seeing my brother graduate in Texas from the Air Force Academy. I think is what is what it's called, uh, and then I'm flying back to Maryland, and then I'm going to go to Europe. So it's like it's crazy to think about that now. It's crazy how much I move around, but uh, yeah, man, it's a good life. It's a fun life. Fantastic. I mean, digital nomadism, so to say, is something that I'm going to embark upon in about a year. About a year when I finally graduate from school myself, because you know. Quite, quite unfortunately, I'm still, I'm still in school. Uh, and I've talked to a couple of digital nomads before. Mark Manson stands out, but the, you're the only current digital nomad that I've talked about. Like you're doing it right now. What inspired you to do that? Was it the, the common theme is, and this is what it was from Mark Manson, it was a four-hour work week. Was that it for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, the four hour work week was definitely one of those things. I, it, it's it's funny. I read the four hour work week right after because we talked about this book before the call. But uh, right before I read, do cool shit. I'm sorry if um, you know the yeah, cursing allowed. and everything. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, right, right, right after I read that book, I I picked up the four hour work week. I was like, what the heck, a four hour work week? What are you talking about? And the guys on the hammock and on the front of the book, I read that really, really blew me away. But um, actually, the person that inspired me uh, came around like two years later, I discovered her two years later, her name was Adventurous Kate. And she's a blogger, a traditionally a blogger, right? So she I think it's adventurouskate.com or something you can find her. Um, but she was a big blogger. And she was talking about how she traveled the world and, and, you know, sort of reviewed hotels and things and, and got paid to do so. And I just fell in love. And I was like, I want to do that right there. Like, that's what I want to do. And um, it was about uh, maybe about six months after I graduated, I found her. And then I started to go down the blogging path um, as well. So yeah, she inspired me, Adventures Kate. Absolutely. So blogging, Mark and I were talking about it. We're, we're, listen, we're going to drop the whole Mark thing. I'm just, there's just some common themes here. But yeah. Mark says blogging is in recession. And traffic across blogs is way down over the past few years uh, for a number of reasons. But is blogging still something that you're really focusing on? Or, or are there other mediums, so to say? Yeah, man. Um, I'm, I think I'm at a crossroads right now. I, I cannot bring myself to not blog. I, I, in fact, I, I agree with what Mark says. I think that blogging is going down. Uh, as a whole. So, you know, blogging is going down. I think video content is going up. I think that's something that, you know, is more entertaining. Um, it, it, it's sort of, I don't know, it, it's, it's just a much better medium for me. And, and it's a much more entertaining one for everybody. Um, but yeah, I, I think videos, video content's going up. I think I'm probably, I, I'm never going to stop blogging because I love writing. I, I, I just love it. I, I, I can sit down and, and for two hours and write my heart out and, and get my thoughts on the paper. With a video, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> so like just out of pure laziness, I like to just write it. 
Um, and I like to publish those thoughts for people to, to see. And I like to get feedback. I like to see what people think about it. Um, so I'll, I'll never stop blogging, but it's not because I th- I'm like totally invested in like where it will take me from a business standpoint. It's because I love writing. So um, yeah, on the whole, I agree with what Mark is saying. Um, but but I'll, I'll never stop blogging, I think, uh, one way or the other. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I love writing and I had a brief hiatus from it for a couple of months, unfortunately, where I wasn't doing as much writing as I used to, but I but back into it now and it's like, wow, why was I not perfecting this craft and enjoying th- this craft over the past few months? And it's just, I I really, it's like a holistic joy. You know, you get the quick dopamine hit from the notifications that pop on your screen. And that's like a, it's a cocaine type joy, but not that I've done cocaine. I've, <laughs> I've not, I've, not <laughs> I've never done a drug in my life. Yeah, I'm yeah. serious. Yeah. yeah. But writing is a holistic joy, my friend. But you're, you're on Facebook here and you've got this built in audience of, 200 over 200,000 likes now and your videos get probably like hundreds of shares, thousands of likes, probably thousands of comments, I forget the numbers there, but just a lot, a huge amount of engagement. Like I don't know that I've seen as engaged of a Facebook page before, like as engaged of a community. It's pretty crazy. So my question, since you love writing, since you have this built-in audience, do you is there a book coming in in the plans is it in the plans oh man yeah I, look man i would love to write a book i i it's not in my immediate plans like it's not like something i'm working on right now um but i would love that's one of my long-term plans you know if, if a publisher ever came to me and said something like you know we would like you to write a book i would be all over it i would like stop everything <laughs> pretty much right i still make like a video every now and then, but i'd stop everything and i'd write the book um i, I would that's one of my big dreams i actually I, I don't know why i did this jordan but i when i got out of college i graduated and um i i got surgery right i i, I have crohn's disease so I, I i got surgery like two months after i graduated and I was like sort of hospitalized and bedridden for like a couple months after that. And I, I wrote actually a big, like long, uh, I don't know, I guess you could call it a book. I wrote like 50,000 words. That's and a lot. Man. Yeah, a I, lot. I just, I kept writing and writing and writing. So I have a book and it's, it's, it's a lot of my life story in there. So maybe I can put that into a book later. But yeah, man, I, I would love to write a book for sure. Even if you just take that, I mean, my my book is 40,000 words and 184 pages. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you were to, I mean, it it might be better to, you know, rather like better than nothing, better to like than just doing nothing with it. Even if you like just self-published it, like, because you have, you have the built-in audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, yeah. where people might be like, Oh yeah, it's Tom. I'm going to go get this. But anyhow, I have to ask, this was supposed to be the first question. We kind of got like, I I just wanted to talk about other things, but (laughs) why not get a corporate job? Why didn't you just get a corporate job out of college instead of, I mean, you were, you were going through those rounds of interviews, but you just, you just said, screw it. Why not? Why? 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, Jordan, I th- I think like when I got out, I didn't. It, it was this weird thing. Like when I was in college, I never really like thought that I wouldn't enjoy corporate life. I was just like, okay, I'll put that off and I'll just work on my studies and and everything. Um, but when I started to get near graduation, there was, there was like this growing sense in my belly. Like I don't know, it just felt like this was not what I wanted to do. Like I did not want to like go into an office and work and it's okay. If people like to do that, it's okay. If that's what, that's what, if someone's listening, if that's okay, if you, that's what you want to do. But for me, it just felt like terror. Like I, I, I just could not do it. I, and there's something in me that like felt like this is a really bad thing to do, you know, because I don't, I, the, the last thing that I want to do is to just like spend 40 years of my life and then wake up and, you know, like, I don't, I can't, I could, I can't tell one year from the other year, or like what I did this, you know? And I think that when you work in this, in, in like a corporate atmosphere or something, it might be easier for those years to just roll by. I don't know, you know, and, and, and look, I could be completely wrong about this, but it, all these like terror, terrifying thoughts came into my mind. And I was just like, I don't think this is for me. I, I really don't think this is for me at all. Like I, even when I went into interviews, I was just, I sat down and I was like, this does not feel right. Like, I, this isn't me, you know, like I, I want to get out of here. I want to go like right in that Starbucks over there or something. Right. It was weird, man. And so this, this going on all these interviews, feeling like I nailed them and then sort of like not hearing back from anyone after going on like tons of them. I was just like, this is just not for me. You know, I got to find another way. And uh, it's it's okay if I work at Panera Bread while I figure this out. I don't want to work in an office, so I, it's hard to explain. But uh, it's just this terror in the in the belly of my in in, in my belly, you know. And and uh, it just it developed, uh, you know, basically I, I guess in 2015 when I graduated. Yeah. So you embarked upon travel, and you know, first in the states, and now all over the world is it really is it really that expensive is it compared to normal living in the united states you know what like it's it's not and 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 i can i mean i can give a couple tips for people that want to get started on this digital nomad thing like i mean i i I stay with some friends of mine you know and, and i didn't like ask like hey can i stay with you for for four months you know i was just like i was like i'm gonna be traveling and I would like to see you again. And uh, I'm going to be passing through. So is it okay if I stay with you for like a week or two? And everyone was like, yeah, you know, and they were, lo- they'd love it. And it was so cool because I got to connect with my friends again. And so I kept costs low that way when I was still in the States, like even in the States, it, it wasn't that expensive for me. You know, um, I ate at a lot of fast food restaurants. I know that. Um, but I, you know, there's ways that you can sort, if you can get the rent price down, if you can stay with some friends, if you can, you know, figure something out that way, you can keep, you can keep the, uh, the cost low, but no, I mean, you know, compare what you're really asking is about Southeast Asia and, and Southeast Asia, it's, it's, it's very, very favorable. You know, like I, I have a, um, in Manila, I have a two bedroom sort of like condo in a, in a, in a pretty nice spot in town. Right. Um, and it's like $500 per month. It's really awesome. Like my friends come in and from, in, you know, my, my Filipino friends, they come in, they stay in the extra room. It's really cool. I got my own kitchen. It's awesome. And, um, you know, and a typical meal in the Philippines is like, 
even in the city, it's like two or three dollars with a drink, you know. So I could yeah. like I could eat out the, three times a day, and I could spend seven bucks, you know, or six bucks, something like that. So the cost of living is definitely super low. The only thing is, you have to if you want to come back home, you have to pay you know, 500, 600, 700 bucks for a plane ticket. And that's the cheapest maybe, one, Yeah, you know, maybe more. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. You know? And, um, so in fact, it, it definitely is more than that. So, you, you know, that's the only thing that's the only wrinkle. And, and also you have to figure out medical insurance. I mean, there's tons of different caveats to this, but for the most part I've stayed healthy and, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely much cheaper, over here. And I would, you know, if you want to get started on, with, with being a digital nomad and just learning a bit more about life, come to Southeast Asia. You got, you got to see it for sure. So, yeah, I, I will be, I will absolutely be doing that, but it only really makes sense if you're doing it for an extended period of time. Like if you're, if you're, if you just want to put your toe in the water and do it for a week, I mean, the plane tickets are going to kill you and it's going to make zero sense at all. Like you got to commit to uh, what, uh, probably two months at, at least at least right yeah yeah and then you have to you have to extend your visa and that's another thing that doesn't normally cost too much in these countries right but like you still have to it's still a logistical thing that you have to work around and you have to maybe spend a whole day of your working of of, of, of like a tuesday where you should be working you have to spend a day at the you know the the, the, the department and to, to extend your visa so yeah man i mean there's a lot of different caveats and logistical things to this so um, you know, I managed to stay in the Philippines like for like six months without a problem. I think you could stay in the Philippines for like 24 months without a problem. You just have to keep extending. It, it depends on which country you're staying. Like for Vietnam, you have to get a visa, you know, so there's, if you're an American, so like, there's a couple of things that you have to really think about, but, um, yeah, I, I should maybe write a blog post about all the things, all the little caveats that I've come across. So yeah, you gave me an idea. You should. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> are you forming deep and meaningful relationships or are there times where you feel lonely because of some sort of language barrier uh, in, in whatever country you're in or, or what have you? I mean, are you, are you, you're making friends there? The craziest thing is when I first got to the Philippines, it was really, really like I had a hard time connecting with people um, because I was like, I, I felt like they were judging me. And it's not that they were judging me. It was that they were scared to talk to me because I'm a foreigner and because maybe their English isn't so awesome. So like I, when I first got like my first 30 days in the Philippines, like it wasn't like I was really sort of disconnected. Um, I, I love the people, like people were smiling at me all the time and stuff. And, 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 and for the most part, but I didn't like understand that I had to make that first step and I had to make that first like, you know, connection with them. And um, after that, after I started to do that more in the Philippines, uh, I, I started to make a lot more friends. I started to like talk to that lady that's selling fruit on the street, you know, like even like with even with the kids, like like I, I made some cool friends with like kids in the street and we've like played basketball and like they I, they do not speak a lick of English, but yet we can understand each other some way. You know, so um, that's something that you need to do when you're in these countries. Like you have to make that first step and that's how you're going. And it takes time and it's okay to feel like, like secluded. It's okay to feel like, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's okay to feel like that at first. 
but it took me a little while to get used to it, especially as an introvert. I'm a super, I'm a huge introvert. I don't really like to, I mean, I, I'm completely fine with just staying at home, like working by myself all day. Um, you know, but I, I have made some cool friends here. It's taken time. It takes time when you're starting over in a brand new place that you know nothing about that you know, no one in, um, so it, you have to give yourself a little bit of grace. I think a lot of people, maybe when they get started being a digital nomad, they, they beat themselves up because themselves up. I mean, what, because they don't make any friends and it's, it's, it's like, well, you got to give, give it some time. You know, this isn't home, you know, you're in a brand new country. You're figuring out how to ride a scooter. You're figuring out where to, where the Wi-Fi is good. You're figuring out what to eat, everything. It's very difficult. So, um, yeah, man, I've, I've made some cool relationships and I'm, I, I bet over the next couple of years, I'll make even bet bigger ones and better ones. So yeah, I know long, long answer. Sorry about that. Well, yeah, let's not forget that, you know, taking this initiative, I mean, maybe, I, I, I don't know that it's just exclusive to being in a foreign country because, you know, I had a friend that moved an hour away and she had trouble making friends and moved back after, after six months. Uh, like it can happen. It can happen anywhere that like, it's not just, you know, it's not just cause like you're in another country. Like I wouldn't make that the scapegoat. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to take the initiative. So I totally relate i totally get that mm. now what's been like the coolest story like a unique story from your travels all these years yeah oh man um there's been some there's been some weird stuff that's happened to me there's been some crazy stuff i mean like i don't know for some reason like one of the most memorable things that has happened to me was um uh when i went i sort of hey, this is in america i sort of like went camping um I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in Southeast Asia too. Uh, but I sort of went camping in America in like the Glacier National Park, which is in Montana. And it was like right at the end of when it the park was open because the the snows come in. It was like I think like like mid-September or something like that. The snows come in and then like like it's like before you know it, it's feet of snow on the, on the roads up there and you can't even get through. So they closed, you know, glacier, but I was like camping and I think I woke up at like 3am and I, and I heard like wolves howling and it was like cold. And like, I was just like, I woke up and I was like, this is so freaking cool. You know, I was like, it, it was 3am and I was like wide awake all of a sudden. And I was like, there's freaking wolves out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could hear them. They're right there. And I remember like I unzipped my tent too. And I think I, I like looked up and like the stars were like, you know, like beaming down because you're nowhere near anything in Montana. And like the stars are just like incredibly vivid. And beaming, was, man. yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. And I was just like, I, it was 3am. I was a little groggy. Um, I was awake, but I was a little groggy still. I was hearing wolves howling. I was looking up at the stars. I was like, this is nuts. You know, and um, it's stuff like that. Like you, you, you gotta pull yourself out of this lifestyle every now and then, and be like, "Look, like this is crazy what we're able to do." You know, it's cool that I'm able to walk down the street and talk to a local Filipina lady, get fruit, you know, and and just converse. It's so cool, you know. Um, so yeah, man, um, I, I'm blessed. It's those little things. It's it's the little things that I enjoy the most. I haven't really like jumped off like a cliff went cliff diving or done anything crazy really. 
um, it, it's those like small connections that I make with the locals that really, really makes me happy. And, and, um, it makes me feel like I'm supposed to be there. Um, so yeah, I know no crazy story for you. Well, I, I guess the, the wolves was cool, mm-hmm. but you know, <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Dude. I, I mean, you put me, you put me right in, in the place where I was imagining it. That's which is exactly what I wanted. I love stories, yeah. but have you noticed, I mean, over okay, over in the United States, we're becoming closer and closer to cyborgs, you know, with with our phone attached to us and really an extension of who we are. And if we forget it in the house when we go out, so to say, we feel like incomplete. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that, say, in the Philippines or Bali, that and I like I think I know the obvious answer is no, they're not. They, like they're barely attached to technology. I mean, what, what do you observe when you're out there, and how does it change the dynamic of relationships? You know, it's crazy actually. Like in the Philippines, um, there's tons of Facebook users. Like I think there's like a hundred and ten million Filipinos, and don't quote me. I, you know, it's relatively. And there's like sixty nine million Facebook users in the Philippines. It's crazy, and it's because it's free. Mark Zuckerberg made Facebook free in the Philippines, and um, you know, so it, it's really crazy that that they're that attached to to that. But but I get what you're saying. When I get out into the provinces of the Philippines, you know, people that are living like like way sort of like outside of the major cities and 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 like you know th- like they're 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 hanging their clothes to dry, they're getting water from from local water sources, like you know they they are out there, you know, in the wilderness, like they have to walk like hours to get to school, that sort of thing. Um, I definitely feel a difference in the in the way that they live. I I I. I I think it's cliche to say that they 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 seem happier, um, but I don't know, man. You know, every time I like run, like every time I go by them, or every time like I pass through, they're always like smiling at me, and and um, it's really crazy. I like, yeah, I I, I I think it's more so me. Like I'm transforming more than like they're living differently. You know, I, I feel that transformation more just by looking at them. And, um, in, in what way are you? Yeah. I mean, like, like obviously it's like, I'm used to, it's funny. I'm here in Bali and like, there's like, there's like insects in my room sometimes, you know, there, I see cockroach. I see, I see like lizards, you know, like, like, like running across the wall. And like in America, we don't have that, you know, like there's nothing, they're insulated. Like there's nothing in the rooms, you know, uh, typically, you know, basically like when, when I was growing up and I've gotten used to that now. I, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit used to that. And and now I see a cockroach across the floor. I'm like, all right, whatever. And like, even if I see a lizard, like go into my suitcase, I'm like, eh, it'll go out <laughs> later. <laughs> you know and like whereas i i would freak out yeah here. i would freak <laughs> out you know I, like look me me from a year ago i would have freaked out and i did i used to and and it, it really changed me and um you know it's it's man it's been such a crazy journey you know but i remember like when i got off the plane in, in the philippines for the first time i went to the, i went i flew from manila to a province and i was just driving past like like huts you know, on a dirt road, uh, stray dogs everywhere, you know, people hanging their clothes to dry, um, looking dirt, like dirt on their face, kids selling brooms with dirt on their face. And you like, you ask them how much the broom is and it's like 50 cents. And like, 
you know what I mean? And, and then you start to talk to them and they start smiling and it, it's just really heartbreaking, you know, but then when you get to know them more, you start to understand they're, they're, we can actually learn a lot from them, you know, the way that they live and the way that they, what they value. And, um, the, in a lot of ways, I, I almost want to just give up everything and just live like them. You know, it's this weird thing. Like, I, I just, I, I do. And, um, I've thought about that too. I, I have much like less pressure and just the simple, simple pleasures. And I literally thought about that probably three days ago. Like, you know what? Why don't I just pack up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and look, man, when you come over here and if you, if you really get immersed and if you really get out into the countryside a bit, like you'll look at these people and you'd be like, life is hard. You know, don't get me wrong. Life is really hard out there, but they just value it way more than we do. I, I feel like, you know, so it's, it's, it's not even that maybe they're happier than us. They just value life a lot more. They value all their time and they, 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 they're really living in the moment. And that's something that I don't think that, I mean, that's su- certainly something I need to work on, you know, and that's, if that's something I need to work on, that's something that a lot of other people probably need to work on too. And um, they're doing everything by themselves. You know, they're like, they're like uh, raising livestock you know, um, uh, sort of like slaughtering it, uh, you know, for the meat and, and and doing everything and living off the land, like totally. And it's very, very, um, I felt like a fish out of water. I felt, I felt like such a, a useless person, when I, you know, my first time I was like, I don't know how to do anything. Like they're over there slaughtering a pig and I feel terrible, you know, because the pig is screaming, but I, I also feel terrible because I can't even help them, you know? So, um, all of these things have, have contributed to, to, to how I've looked at, at the way that they live. And, um, yeah, man, I, that, that story of the pig getting, sl- that was a, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the scream of that, of that thing. And that pulls you out of it. Oh, it's wow. like, yeah, it, it pulls you out of it. It's like, it's like, you just get, you know, pork at the store, you know, but, um, you know, for, you forget where, it, where it comes from. And it's just stuff like that. We're just so detached sometimes, you know, and um, it's okay that we are. It's just we haven't seen where, where you know, uh, the, the other part of the world, you know. Absolutely. Well, let's transition to the business side of things mm. now. The What's funding this whole thing. So you've grown audiences pretty like a pretty diverse audience in the sense that you're not just big on LinkedIn like I am. That's a problem with me. I'm not diversified. So you're diversified. You have social media followings, like large followings on several different platforms. I'm most intrigued by how you grew your Facebook following. Like when you have put it, put you in the hypothetical scenario where you just start your Facebook page and you have zero likes, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> well, for, yeah. I mean, you're, you're inviting your friends to like it first. Okay, see so what, you got 200 likes. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I think the, the main thing you have to do is you have to start making videos. If you're not making videos on Facebook, you might as well not spend much time on it, you know. Um, and I think that more importantly, you shouldn't be making like 10-minute vlogs like you do for YouTube. You should be making micro micro content. And Gary Vee likes to say that, micro content. So like, you know, one minute to two minute long, like little mini takes 
on whatever it is that you want to talk about. You know, so if you want to like do sports commentary, do a one or two minute take about how, you know, Tiger Woods just won the Masters, you know, and, and, Wait, and that's a, I, I, okay. It's so funny. You're saying, did you see my video of that? No, 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 no. I, I did a, I did a one minute, not that sports commentary is my thing. Sorry to interrupt. I, know, I don't yeah, do go this, ahead. but like, I literally just took my phone out and, and did it with my friend, a one minute of like Tiger winning the Masters and like lessons you could learn from it and posted it. But so funny you say that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, continue. Yeah, 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 yeah that, that's Facebook. good. That's good, Jordan. Yeah, I, I, you know, and and so like do stuff like that. And I think it's like, it, it's, it's important. There's a lot of variables with content these days, but I, I think that you have to keep it short on Facebook. You have to make it a video. And you have to let people, you have to hook people in in the first like five to 10 seconds. It's like all three of those things are a must every single time if you want to have a shot at really growing your page. And it might How grow. How do you do that? Five, uh, five to 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, like, like I, I the one thing that I do is I like to, uh, and a lot of, I, I'm not the first one to do this. Like, like make it a square video. Um, there's ways that you can do that in, in Adobe Premiere Pro. I use Premiere Pro to edit. And then I sort of like have text above the, the, the video and also maybe below. So I have like two, like maybe black bars. So that's like one above and one below. That's, you know, um, uh, if you shoot on widescreen and you make it a square video, you should have space. And then I, I make like a headline like you would for a blog post. And I let people know exactly what it, what it is that they're going to get out of this video as they're watching it. That's one thing. That's one way I do it. Um, I, 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 sometimes I'm, I make a video and, and in the first like five seconds, I'll like show something and then I'll pause it and then I'll put an arrow towards something and then I'll put text like you, you sort of have to do it in a text, in a text based way, because not, not everyone is, um, not everyone is sort of, um, uh, like listening to it. You know, some people are muted, right? So that's a way that you could sort of get people's attention in the first like five, 10 seconds. Use text. That's what I would say. Absolutely. Now, doesn't this stuff like take a lot of time or do you outsource the editing or? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I actually, I edit all my own videos. I, I love, I actually love the editing part the most. Like shooting is fun. It's cool. Ideating is fun scripting, but I, I love the editing process. I add in a lot of little things that make it, that really set it off you know, and make it quirky and funny and entertaining. Um, so it, it, it doesn't take me that long. And, and after like maybe making my first like five or 10 videos, I've gotten much faster with it. And it doesn't take me long. It, like, in fact, one of my viral videos that I made, um, you know, uh, four or five months ago, it, I made it in three hours. It did 6 million views. You know, like I made it in three hours. It didn't take me that long at all. So once you get your process down, you can make these videos super quick. Sometimes it's even faster than a blog post. You know, it just depends. So, yeah. <laughs> Have you found success with just, you know, zero post-production, no no editing and just throwing a video up, just raw? You know, I've I found success with that on LinkedIn. Not on, oh. you know, not on um, uh, Facebook because I haven't tried. Like Facebook, it might be a good place for that, but I haven't tried. I've tried to keep Facebook pretty professional. Well, I, I don't want to say that 
raw video is not professional. I'm just, I try to keep it a little more like I've put a little more effort into it, I should say, right? And then LinkedIn, I literally, the only thing I'll do with LinkedIn is I'll shoot a two minute video and then I'll put a little title on it, you know? And But that's something I takes you two seconds to do. Um, so yeah, raw, actually raw videos on LinkedIn, they do crazy good, especially if you're just taking a selfie they do video. Like you, like you, Jordan, yeah. Yeah, like you do it perfect, Jordan, and like and some of mine, like 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 I shot a video in a in the Singapore airport. It got two hundred fifty thousand views. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this took me like two minutes. You know, I was like, what is it with you in the airport? I just thought it was cool, and everyone's like sharing it. Everyone's like super excited about it. I was like, well, that's cool. You know, I'm happy that that people are you know loving it. You know, but I didn't expect that at all. You know. Absolutely. So we've got, you know, uh, it, now in the name of post-production, if you want to edit your videos, you know, you mentioned Premiere Pro and uh, I'm going to I'm going to recommend some other tools here. Headliner.app. If you just type that into your browser, easy way to automatically transcribe your videos. You got to go in and correct some of the stuff, of course. I mean, like it's not perfect, but it's a good way to have text coming up on the screen, as you had mentioned. And then what, what else? Oh, yeah, yeah. iPhone app. InShot in shot i n and then shot for like you know you can create those meme videos so to say with like the text at the top on the fly and just with your phone and it's a it's a little bit more simplified for people who are less techy and don't want to learn like Adobe Premiere. Do you have any other tools that you use? Yeah, I love Clips. Clips is an is an iPhone app as well. Uh, so it's, it's oh Apple Clips. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Apple Clips is the one um, that that helps me with the subtitles. I you could use a rev dot com rev r e v dot com to uh, get someone to transcribe the audio into a a subtitle um, sort of like thing that you can upload. You can upload a subtitle file with your LinkedIn video on a desktop computer, I believe. And then that will sort of have the text in the video. So people that aren't, maybe they don't have their audio on, they can see what you're saying. And I think it's like a dollar per minute. So if you have like a two minute video, it's $2 to get it transcribed. And they give you, they send you a file and you can upload it with your video. And uh, it's perfect. It works great. It works like a charm actually. Those are the only two that I use uh, yeah, there's only two that I that I really use, and that's all I need, you know. But the the, the tools that you mentioned are really good too. Um, I'm gonna have to look. Um, I'm gonna have to look InShot up. So yeah, I'll definitely have to get that one. Fantastic. Yeah, actually, another a friend who was funny enough living in Bali for quite some time, actually, uh-huh. uh, up until very recently, probably the last couple of weeks, actually recommended InShot to me. So another 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 uh, digital, <laughs> digital nomad. Funny enough, good. But, you know, you've so you've got on Medium now. Mm. You've got a good following on there, and so that's like a blogging platform. How did you how did you grow that? Yeah, I mean, like I I, I want to keep this really useful to who's who's sort of listening right now because I think the way that you grew Medium back in the day was so much different than it is now. Um, uh, Jordan, would you like me to talk more about? steps now or, or would you like me to detail how i grew in the past it's up to you oh so it so it, it wow so the it's game's changed, changed. In just the time that you've done it oh yeah. well yeah what's 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 done it what's going to do it now is of course most valuable sure yeah okay so like the big thing is 
medium is is the way that you grow on medium uh is you post lock stories and medium has done something that i i I don't think it's getting enough shine or attention really but medium has done something where they've allowed you to make money via your blog posts uh directly through the platform you post a lock story right and they have a lot of medium members and medium members, they pay $5 per month to medium to read as many lock stories as they want. It's unlimited. If you don't have a what story, uh, a locked story. Um, so if you're not, Oh, a, okay. Yeah. So if you're not a medium member, you can only read three lock stories per month, but if you want to read more, you can pay $5. It's not, you know, too much money. It's like the price of a coffee, right? So a lot of people have become members and if, if, if you are a writer and if you post a lock story and if say 10 medium members, you know, clap for your story, which is basically a like, you know, so let's just say they like your story, uh, you will get a portion of the money they pay to medium. So you might get a dollar, you might get $2. It, it, there's a couple other things that, that, de- that depend on that, but that's in a nutshell, that's what, that's how it works. Okay. So your goal is, and they're actually promoting lock stories on the platform. So, so you should post more lock stories. You'll get paid and you'll grow faster. Okay. Because they they don't really care for free stories anymore. They're trying to make this, they're trying to monetize more, right? So more lock stories, the better. So post lock stories. um, And I, I I would also say like, your main goal is to get curated. There's curators. There's like there's like a team of 25 curators around the world uh, for Medium that look at every single story that's published and they decide whether that story is good enough to get distributed more on the platform, right? So like your goal is to get curated and to get curated, you have to write a really good story. Um, you have to make sure that you... you Basically, what what, I, what I've been doing is I've written the story out. I've made it at least a thousand to fifteen hundred words. I think that's a key ingredient. You have to make it longer. You have to uh, sort of sleep on it. You have to come sleep on it. C- come back the next day, edit it with fresh eyes. You'll delete a lot of the the crap from it. Trust me, we write a lot of crap. And then you have to de- like divide that thing up. Like you can't just make it one straight long wall of text. You have to divide it up correctly. Um, but, 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 you know, I think the main thing that, that helps with curation is like just being super personal, like don't, don't be afraid to get personal. Don't be afraid to tell like really, really like, you know, really deep, dark stories from your life or, you know, something that you're afraid to tell someone they medium tends to like more personal stories. So if you can connect with, you know, something that happened to you that was maybe traumatic or something that, you know, might help someone else who had been through a similar situation, I think that's the way to go. Um, and they, they curate writers in, in the self category and the tech category, you know, all these different categories. I read, a, I read an article about Game of Thrones and it got curated in the TV category. So there's lots of different like ways that you can, you know, sort of get curated. Um, but that's Medium in a nutshell. And you can make money. Some people are making $10,000 per month on Medium. And that's the, that's the top of the top, right? But that's, okay. that's like, that's the ceiling, you know? So, uh, yeah, man, that's, that, that's medium in a nutshell. How interesting. And, you know, I like that you mentioned, I mean, I find that the more vulnerable I am, the more people, I mean, granted, you know, I'm writing stuff on for the most part LinkedIn, but the more vulnerable I am, the more likes and comments and shares that I get. It's just how the 
cookie's been crumbling for mm-hmm. probably uh, you know a couple of years for me now. It makes a lot of sense. It's interesting how that happens. But so now you have online courses, right? They're like, tell me what's the what is the process here? Like you you take your Facebook fans and somewhere along the way they become your uh, your you know, students in, in a course, where's the course host it, but like, how are you, how are you gaining students? Yeah. So like the, the funnel looks like this. I, I actually don't really monetize my Facebook page, uh, at all, uh, except for ads. Um, it, you know, but, but I, I can see how, you know, from the outside looking in it, it it'd be like, why aren't you doing that, Tom? You, you know, you have your audience there, but it, it's, it's actually worked out where like I, my blog posts that I've written for medium, about medium uh, that sort of works as the top of the funnel for me in a lot of ways, you know? So like I, you know, have articles that are still getting traffic today. Um, it's being distributed within medium, Google, etc., And like people read the blog posts, they sign up for my email list at the end. And then I take them through a five day email course. I get them through the course. And then I sort of like shout out a webinar that I do that'll sort of provide them more value all throughout the course. And then at the end, I also shout it out one, one last time. I get people into the webinar and then it's a numbers game. You know, I know a certain percentage will show up. I know a certain percentage will buy most of the time. And then, you know, now I'm, I'm working that funnel pretty well. It's all through like, it's all through the blog posts and then the webinar and then, and then purchasing the course. And then I work with the, the students on the back end. Um, you know, but it's really just the blog post, like the social media stuff, like LinkedIn, Instagram, like that's, that's for fun. <laughs> you know, weirdly enough, I could monetize it, you know, with coaching and things, but it's, it's, it's really just for fun and, and I'm, I'm enjoying growing it. And I might sort of use that for sponsors later on, maybe, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but the blogging thing, man, that's, that's where the money's coming from. Weirdly enough, you know, and sometimes I make some good money with the ads on my Facebook videos, but for the most part, it's the online courses and the blog posts. Yeah. What are you teaching? So, yeah, I, I, so I, I grew on medium, you know, in uh, 2017 and, and, tw- and I got started in late 2016, but really 2017 was when I grew. So at the end of 2017, I had sort of got fed up with freelancing and I was like, I know how to grow on medium. I have an audience of like 10,000. I know how to write a good blog post. I know how to grow. Other people want to know this stuff. I'm getting comments and emails and people want to know this. So why don't I make a course? And so I made a course about how to grow. And I I got like, I pre-sold the course or the webinar. I didn't know if it was legit or not. Cause like no one had made a medium course. People say when, when, when <laughs> people say that when no one has made a course uh, like the one that you want to make before, that's a bad sign. So I was really nervous. I was like, maybe no one wants this. You know, maybe this isn't even profitable. But I put on a webinar, I pre-sold the course, and then I had like 15 people sign up. I couldn't believe it. And then at that point, it was, it was, I made the course and people went through and it was awesome. And like I said, mediums changed over the years. So I've had to actually make some changes in the course to help them accurately grow on the platform, you know, so that has been a challenge. I could talk about online courses forever, you know, but that has been a challenge and um, it's, it's, it's been a fun one to navigate, but also stressful at times because platforms change. So medium is, is, is teaching people how to grow on medium has helped. Um, 
I've, I've grown on LinkedIn and, and I know the basics of the platform enough to teach other people. So I have a, like a little LinkedIn course as well to, te- to help people and, and they, people have seen good results. So yeah, you know, th- those two things are my, the topics. What's the platform that you're using to host the course? Uh, teachable, teachable.com. I love it. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of other ones you could use. I'm not like against any other, other, other ones, but teachable is the one that I really liked because, um, I don't know, it, it had a sales page option feature, you know, like the payment gateway was pretty cool. Everything was just really all inclusive and, uh, they've treated me well for the last, like maybe two years, basically, you know, that I've been with them and, and I love teachable. Yeah. Is it like Udemy in the sense that they advertise for you and take a larger percentage of the cut or is it more like dependent upon you? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's, it's more dependent on you. You know, Udemy, I okay. think, I, I'm not sure how much percentage Udemy takes out, but Teachable, uh, it depends on what plan you're using, but I believe you can get to a plan where they don't take anything out. You know, it's just maybe Stripe that takes out, you know, 2.9% or 2.7% or whatever that you've connected to Teachable. Um, but yeah, it, Teachable does not help you really advertise. I believe, they, I could be wrong about that. I don't think they, they help you advertise. It's up to you. Um, but that's the thing, greater risk, the greater reward. Udemy would be cool though. I would, I would be interested to try Udemy out, but I have not tried it out yet. Yeah, maybe just an experiment, you know, but... Is there any other, in general, like as we begin to wrap up here, any tips for growth on social media that you absolutely have to say that that you haven't said yet? Yeah, you know what? This this popped out at me. You have to like have an experience first. You know, um, I think you have to write about what's happened to you. I could write about Crohn's disease. I don't, but I could because it happened to me. You know, I could, I could relate to, I could probably grow a whole blog on Crohn's, you know? Um, but the reason why I went on like a, my first road trip and the reason why I went to work at Disney world as an intern was because I wanted to have experiences and I knew that those would enlighten me and give me life lessons that I could, you know, that, that would help me. But what I didn't know is those would also give me life lessons that I could write about later. And I think that if you want to be a blogger, if you want to create content online, like you have to. You have to go and have experiences. That's that's like one of the key things that no one really thinks about. It's like I just want to I just want to learn how to write better. I want to learn how to do so and so better. It's like nah, like you got to start the experience first, you know. So I went on a, a five month road trip. I I didn't really I, and I did it because I wanted to grow a travel blog, FindingTom.com, right? Um, but I, I you know I ended up really not really publishing on that site too much, and I ended up just having a lot of great experiences that informed my medium blogs later that were more personal and were about my life lessons. So I think that like, weirdly enough, like this, the content that I post on LinkedIn is videos of me in Singapore or Bali or like, you know, out on the streets. And, um, I think you have to have experiences and and you have to double down on that or else you really won't have much more different things to say. You know, like the reason why my content sort of uh, hits with people, I think is because I'm saying stuff sometimes that is not immediately obvious to many other people. And it's not because I'm great or something. It's just because I've experienced different things, you know, and, and, and that's all. I'm not any smarter really. So have different experiences, get your mindset changed and relay what you've learned to over to the people that haven't done what you've done. 
and do it with some humility and, and have some fun with it. And you'll grow an audience and people will love to learn something new from you. Well, I absolutely agree. I mean, cause there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there with mm. the barriers to entry to creating these courses being so low, anyone can do it. And for that reason, there are a lot of people who haven't been there and done that, but they're teaching you how to be there and do that. There's a lot of broke people teaching you how to be <laughs> financially free. Yeah. So you got to watch out experience. It, there, there's, a belief is a poor substitute for experience is the the tweetable there, so to mm. say. Maybe I'll mm. tweet that today. <laughs> but <laughs> um I think uh hmm, I think uh, I think that's I think that's about it's about I think we covered everything, right, Tom? I think Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh yes, I wanted to ask you. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead, Jordan. No problem. I wanted to ask you, like, first off, what's the coolest place you've ever been? And then second, how long do you plan on continuing this digital nomad lifestyle? Yeah, man. So the coolest place that I, I really love this place, it's in the Philippines. It's called uh, South Cotabato. It's basically in Mindanao, which is the Philippines is, is, is a collection of like, I think like 5,000 islands. Is that, is that right? 5,000? 7,000 islands. Yeah, so like tons of islands, right? 7,000 islands. And um, so Mindanao is like the 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 north the southernmost island, I believe, right? And it's a huge island. It's like got the second biggest city. And South Cotabato is sort of like nestled in the center of it. And it's just a really cool place. Like it's 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 beautiful. You're driving through these mountainous regions of like, and there's like tons of coconut trees and palm trees, like on the hillside. There's people selling like just local produce on the side of the road. Um, there's something very like. I, I, I don't know. There's just something very real about that place and spiritual in a way. Um, it's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain, but it's, it felt spiritual. So it's not, it's not a place that uh, a lot of people say that you should go though. It's dangerous. Uh, a lot of people say, um, there's like travel advisories, like, like the Australian government has put out a travel advisory from all of Mindanao. And so has the UK, Britain. So it's not really, I, I want to say that because I don't want people to go there and, you know, um, you know, because of your podcast, but, uh, it's, 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 it's actually not as from my experience, it's not as bad at, at all. And it's a beautiful place. And I've really loved that, that spot in the world. Yeah. How long, how long are you going to continue this lifestyle? Ah, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll probably, um, I love, you know, I love Manila. I love the Philippines, man. I think I'm going to stay here for at least the next five years. Um, barring, catastrophe or barring, you know, something happening in my family where I have to come back and take care of my parents or something, you know, who knows. Um, but I love, I love it over here in Manila. And, and so I think maybe at least the next five years, I think I'll never work a regular job again if I, you know, so <laughs> I hope not, you know, that might, that, that might be a possibility, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think you're going to, I really don't. Yeah, I know. So I could say maybe for life for the whole digital nomad thing, but like the next five years, at least I think, yeah, Manila. Yeah. Fantastic. So if they look up Finding Tom, if people look up Finding Tom on Facebook, they can they will find your Facebook page, which I highly recommend. Some great content and videos being put out there. Where else would you like to direct people, Tom? Yeah, you know what? Look, if you want to like ask me any questions about social media, just email me. You know, it's just Tom at Finding Tom. 
email me. Um, it's no problem. I, I'm pretty much finding Tom on Instagram, Facebook. Follow me on LinkedIn, Tom Kugler. I, I love LinkedIn. I think it's a huge platform. Like if you want to grow, start on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, man, just just send me emails and ask me any questions, and I want to. Um, I'll be able to answer them for you because there's a lot of things that you know. There's a lot of other caveats to this. So, yeah, for sure, Tom at Finding Tom. Well, Tom, before I ask my final question, I have to acknowledge you for preaching only what you practice, right? Like you're not, as we had just mentioned, you're not the snake oil salesman. You're teaching people on things that you've experienced and done yourself. You're writing about things that you've done and experienced yourself. And I just love what you're doing. As cliche as that sounds, like it's very unique. And that's why I was so attracted to your story and your journey and why I wanted to have you on the show. So, and I thank you for sharing everything, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, man. I, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. It's, it's, it's an honor. It's amazing what you've done. Seriously. Like, like if I was in your position you. at your age, I would be like over the moon. So it's amazing what you've done. I, I, I like, like mad respect. So yeah, man. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. I'm I'm having fun with it. I'm I'm having fun. Good. Almost over the moon so on most days. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So my final question is if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? We've we've talked about many different things today. You teach several different courses. If you were to package everything into one and you wanted to teach us at a university, what would it be? It's weird. I wouldn't really teach social media. I would love to teach social media, by the way. One thing I would teach, I'll try to keep it brief, is like I'm reading this book called, but reading this book right now called um, Why Nations Fail. It's a really good book. It's like 500 pages long. It's one of the, it's on like the best selling list in the world, in the world or something. I bought it in Singapore. Apparently it's like in the top 20 or something, right? Um, and it basically just outlines why certain countries have, you know, more poverty, why they're less developed, why they're not you know, as, um, as progressive as other countries. Right. And it is fascinating. And I'm learning more and more like why countries in Southeast Asia may or may not be as, um, you know, uh, economically advanced as other countries. And it's fascinating. And it's something that really hits me hard because I see it and it's, it's, I, I see some of the stuff here. It's nuts. You know, like kids like sleeping in the middle of the street at night, you know, on cardboard. I mean, so like that, that's the sort of thing that I would teach. I would want to inform more people as to why these things happen and like what we can do about it. And and I would I would love to teach sort of like the history of maybe Southeast Asia and, and throw in some politics, throw in some, you know, some lessons on that. That'd be really, really cool, you know. But first I have to learn, which is why I bought that book. So, Yeah. Yeah. Tom Kugler, you are the man. Thank you very much, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, talk again soon. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at J underscore 
Harris underscore and tag our guest as well. And we will absolutely give you some love. And then of course, if you want to start your own podcast, a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision, you can go to jordanparis.com slash PU to get free access to Podcast University. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give.